0: one take on uh, Woodstock for my special show today. Welcome to um, the 50th anniversary for Mike Greenblatt's book on Woodstock. And uh, I am going to play the song really quickly now that we originally were going to play because it's going to get you going. And then we're going to come right back and we're going to, and then you can have two different versions, which I like both. But this one really rocked out. Here you guys go. i Woodstock. And uh, obviously the first one was Joni. Got to have Joni Mitchell. Got to have me some Joni and that was uh then the uh CSNY doing it. And Woodstock. And so with that, let's start our show because uh Mike is here and also my co-host Spencer Drake from New York, so it's going to be two different areas. Let's see if we can unmute everyone. Hi Mike. And
2: hey. Spencer. Hey. Okay. We're here.
0: So <laughs> guys got it got a a take on two different songs of what this I event was and that yeah, your great. book is about mike um being that this is the 50th anniversary and um i just think it's really kind of cool we got two different ways of looking at it and just you know i know that you know a little bit of history behind the song and about woodstock and about your book your latest release so why don't we talk a little bit about um this fantastic book and about Woodstock cuz you were there.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, My, I was there all right. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't going to go. You like that too, the two songs? Yeah. Two songs. We weren't going to go. We were going to go down to Jersey Shore to see Led Zeppelin who were playing in Asbury Park. Wow. But the constant yeah. advertisements on mm-hmm. the radio with all these bands that we knew and loved on the same stage in the same weekend we had to go. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we went to the we went to a head shop in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and for seventeen dollars and fifty cents we each bought a three day pass to the whole thing. And uh there was nobody to give our ticket to. As we as we <laughs> entered the scene we we were saying, Hey, where's the ticket
1: man? Who do we give the ticket to? So we just it threw him away. Uh... Well, well, Michael, isn't isn't it true that they were going to build a fence for security, but they didn't finish it, so it made the whole thing different, right, Mike?
3: Yeah, Uh, poor planning uh, on Michael Lang's part. Uh, They never finished the fence, Yeah, uh, and they never got a host either. The two things that they forgot to do was (laughs) that they were going to get a DJ from New York Uh uh, to host. They were going to get a fence (laughs) to take the tickets, and they were Uh going to hire off-duty New York City policemen for security. None of those
0: three three things
3: happened. Well...
0: No, of course not. Of course not. That's like the best... (laughs) That's how the best festivals start. I mean, you know, it's like open season. So here you were, you bought your ticket, and you probably didn't... You probably could have just walked right into it. But... um, we want to hear, we want to hear, before we get into some questions and stuff, a little bit about people you saw, what it was like there, um, how it was when you first got there, because I know you told me a little bit on the, um, you know, as we've been talking, setting up this uh, interview with Spencer and myself, um, a little bit about it. So tell us about the farm and um, how how it was all set up and and like when you got there, where you Planted yourself and stuff like that because it was pretty cool from what you told me.
3: Yeah, it, it was clear sailing all the way to Route 17B, mm-hmm. which is a one lane mm-hmm. country road kind of a highway. It's the only way into Bethel, New York. And once we got okay. to 17B, now this was the day before Woodstock, this is Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. And once we got to 17B, it just stopped dead.
0: Um yeah. We were
3: we were not about to abandon our car on Route 17B like so many other people. That wasn't even an option. So we wow. just waited it out. Uh it the, the it was so long of a wait that we 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 played a game of Monopoly on the roof of the car <laughs> until we moved again. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
3: but we finally got there and and we saw some people with Woodstock logos and they directed us to a field to park and we parked Uh, we debated the Mm -hmm. relative merits of taking all our stuff with us right then and there down to the stage. I mean, we came prepared. Uh, We were ready to camp out for three days, four days. We had a tent, Mm -hmm. sleeping bags, blankets, uh, towels, food, pot, clothing, uh, waters. We had canteens filled with water. Uh, We had books. Uh, Did we think we were going to read at Woodstock? Anyway, uh, so I rolled the joint, and, and we said, you know what? Let's just go down and scope it out, and we'll come back to the car uh, mm-hmm. when we need our stuff mm-hmm. tonight to go to camp. And, uh, oh, no. and we, uh, <laughs> we didn't know where the stage was, though. We couldn't see the stage from where we were, from the parking wow. lot. Mm-hmm. Wow. We were at the top of a, bi- of a mountain, it seemed. Um, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we sort of stood in the road, and eventually this Volkswagen bug with, like, 18 hippies in it, like a clown car, stopped and they said, we got no room for you but stand on the running board and uh, reach in <laughs> the windows, and that's we'll take great. you down the hill.
1: Wow. Well, Hold on. that sounded
3: good to us. <laughs> so that's we did. That's great. And the damn thing took off like a bat out of hell. I thought I was going to get killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, depositing mm-hmm. us at the bottom of the hill where we promptly fell okay. off, got up, dusted ourselves off, and there was the stage. We saw it for the first time. Wow. It was still being constructed. It was Thursday afternoon at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to smoke that last joint, but since, you know, we didn't know what we were getting into, there, we'd never been to a rock festival before.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so How old were you guys? I, I,
3: was, I was 18. Neil was 16. Oh,
2: wow. And
3: okay. so Ripping. I had to go hide. To smoke the joint Because I didn't want anybody to see me I thought I'd get arrested What did I know (laughs) Mm
4: -hmm.
3: So I I, I got high We went to the stage We sat in the grass in front of the stage Looking at them construct the stage And there Mm -hmm. we stayed And we stayed there all night Uh, We Uh, met people They were very nice The vibe was so friendly mm -hmm. Uh, The people Mm -hmm. shared their food with us Their water Their dope It was so nice and uh, we oh, wound wow. up falling asleep right there. And the first time we realized oh. the what? enormity <laughs> of this thing <laughs> is in the morning when we woke up. Mm. And I got up oh, no. and I
1: turned around.
3: Still the people. I freaked out. I wow. never saw Thousand. that many people
1: mm. in Thousand. one place yeah.
3: at one time as far mm. as the eye could see. And, and mm-hmm. I woke up, I said, Neil, Neil, tu- wake up, wake up, look at this. And he turned around, and, and he goes, far out, man. And, <laughs> like, that, that's when we realized that this thing was <laughs> it was going to be huge. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, it kept, you and the people kept coming in, right? Did you, Michael? you ever look for your Correct. car? Yeah. What's
0: that? Michael, did yeah. you, I'm sorry, we got cut off. Michael, did you ever look for your car? Did you find your car? No, you know what? Because I remember you telling me a story about the car later. Well, we realized. We about that? Did we realize there
3: was <laughs> no way we were going to ever get back yeah, to, oh, get no. to the car? Yeah, you're never
1: going to get to the car. All, so never going to get to the car. So you never got to
0: even set up anything. And we had shorts uh, and T-shirts. Wow.
1: That's oh, wow. It. No, no, it's too big. And, Holly's huge. <laughs> it's like, you know. No, I understand. Packing.
0: Yeah, I've been there. That's yeah. crazy.
3: That's we were there crazy. we were trapped. We were you know what? Because we were in the
1: front. <laughs> oh my god five hundred thousand people. You were in the front. And wow, we that's were
3: interesting. Maybe because they
1: got there early. Right.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Maybe fifty wow. or sixty people from the stage. That's incredible. Oh my god, so that's incredible.
0: Did you get to hear any of the sound checks being done? Did it did they do sound checks or was anybody up on the stage jamming as the stage was being built?
3: There was no sound checks.
1: No, there's no sound no check sound
0: at Not at all. Okay. All, all, all. right. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: Wow.
1: Okay. But, but you know, and they so threw them on that? the stage, right, Michael? I mean, they literally threw, I think, Richie Havens on it, right? I mean, they threw, it says, you you know what I'm saying? They threw them on the stage, right? Yeah, there was well, 10 o'clock in the morning. people
0: who was going to play. Yeah. It was
1: supposed to start well, in the I heard. morning. It didn't start in the morning.
3: It yeah. didn't start in the afternoon either. And we oh were no. getting sort of antsy for some music. Uh, we had been there since 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Now it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon the next day.
0: The next day. more
3: hours. Mm-hmm.
0: What are Still you guys no doing during all this time? Just well, sitting there amazingly talking people? enough,
3: someone else brought a game of Monopoly. And we <laughs> oh, wow. Played Monopoly That's, great. Fun That's
2: incredible. <laughs>
3: Uh, mm-hmm. So we're playing Monopoly. We're getting high. We're we're drinking uh, nice warm red wine. The, the, the wine was flowing. The sandwiches were flowing. The people mm-hmm. had all kinds of food. We didn't have to worry about anything. We were having fun. It was the biggest tailgate party before tailgate parties were even invented. Wow. And we, and we you were, were having front. a ball. It was fun. <laughs> and you
0: were in front. <laughs> and we were
1: right in front. So to forget about going back to the car, we realized then so and there. Let- <laughs> So oh so God. getting into the concert uh, Michael getting into the concert uh, R- Richie Haven starts mm-hmm. off at 5 p.m., right? On on correct. Friday. That's correct. And, uh, yeah, when one did thing it start? I I, I got to bring up here which is incredible in your book so people will know um you have a great mm-hmm. chronology of the whole concert uh for the each musician or musician's playing in each chapter uh in each chapter mm-hmm. You have the date that they played. You have the time that they played. Not only that, you have the amount of money they got paid. You've got a set list, which I thought was phenomenal. The personnel, and also the albums they had in their life. Uh, so, besides the story, uh, so you get a real picture that you're there. Uh, that's the way I mm-hmm. word this. Uh, so um, uh, you go through the whole thing, and plus, all the I don't. There's so many stories here. Uh, from the beginning yeah. of the concert, to right, Leed Holly, to the end of, to the end yeah. of it. To the end. Yeah, go ahead, Michael. Uh, well, wow. No,
0: but you know what? I wanted to ask what Spencer brought up. I want to ask real quick, um, when you were formulating this book and creating this book, this beautiful thing that you've given to the world, um, how did you, um, before we get into the beginning of who started off and how it went and progressed, how did you obtain all of the oh, yeah. things from the different people and the timeline and yeah. the things from the people? How did that happen? Right. Well, I, I did mean, 32 you were stoned, interviews, right? so you didn't know. What's did that? You remember? You remember. How of stuff. did you remember?
3: I was I was stoned. I didn't take the the acid though until Sunday, so Thursday, <laughs> <The>
2: Friday, <laughs> and Saturday <laughs>
3: it was just you know wine and pot. Right. a little dramatic because the monsoon ripped through on Sunday uh but you know if as far as the book's concerned I did 32 interviews uh of people like Country Joe who wrote the foreword to the book as well as people mm-hmm. from Credence Clearwater Revival Santana uh Richie Haven Fantastic. Uh, I I was Richie Haven's publicist in 2012 so I interviewed him then That's great uh, I took them on – thank God my mom – you know, it's funny. My mom taped me and Richie Havens on the radio in 2012 because I was his publicist. And on the 15th anniversary Mm -hmm. of Woodstock, we figured, let's go on the radio and give the perspectives of the artist and the fan. And the quotes from Richie Havens in the book are from that morning on the Dr. Judith Kuriansky show on WABC-AM, and they've never been read or heard from since. And thank God my mom taped it, and oh, wow. I found the cassette tape. That's so
4: incredible. That's, that's where incredible. the Richie oh, Havens wow. quotes
3: come from. But other quotes came from people that I've interviewed in my 35-year career, like Joe Cocker. Thank God I asked mm-hmm. Joe Cocker about Woodstock back Love then. Ya. Uh
5: yeah.
3: Fly in the Family, Stone, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Canned Heat, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, et cetera Santana. And even found, like, the kids that climbed the light towers. They kept saying, get down off the light towers.
4: I found one of the kids
3: that climbed that light tower. I found (laughs) Bill Hanley, the father of festival sound, who had the amazing job to make sure that the people on the hill way in the back could hear while not blasting out those in front of us. And he did a magnificent job with the sound. Well,
1: Michael, you had the Joshua White show, too, right? I Josh found
3: book. Joshua White from the Joshua White mm-hmm. show, who yeah. had a very bad experience at Woodstock because his light show was dismantled it, with the high winds, and he had to take it down and go home, oh, and he was good. not a happy camper. Uh, right. But it made oh, it right. for no, some drama. Uh, he had a big fight with Steve Cohn, the stage manager, who, who cut slits in the... Uh, Um, in the big screen so that it wouldn't fall down, and ultimately it was the right decision. But at the time, uh, Joshua White got very upset with him and had a big blowout fight on stage. I recount that entire incident. So Mm -hmm. it really is a mosaic, a... a, um, a tapestry, if you
1: will, of three different perspectives. Well, Michael, tell us about Billy Graham. Uh, Bill Graham, because he had a lot to do with it, right? Bill Graham. He really
3: did. He lent Michael Lang his entire staff, and that's the book. The people mm-hmm. that booked the bands. John Morris used to book the bands for the Fillmore. He's the he's the hero of Woodstock right. in my eyes.
2: Yeah. John
3: Morris put out so many fires during the course of that weekend, uh, including Governor Rockefeller, who wanted to send in the troops the, National, the Guard National Guard, right. to disperse us all. What a horrible idea. <laughs>
0: yeah. He,
3: he sent in Not
0: the troops good. to
3: Attica State Prison, and 32 people died. Then Nixon oh sent uh... in the troops to Kent State. Four people died. Imagine oh, wow. if Rockefeller would have sent in the National Guard to tell us all to go <laughs> home. Well, it didn't
0: happen. It didn't happen, thank God, right? So we're going to talk about, my God, that would have been horrible.
1: Well, horrible. you know what I saw, I, uh, Holly, I've got to tell you, oh. and Michael, I saw the, the second Woodstock film, the recent one that was done on the festival, and in it, there's a phone call Michael Lang has with the governor of New York, so the thing that, why it quieted down, because Michael spoke to the governor on the phone, and so the National mm-hmm. Guard was out of the picture. You know what I'm saying? was out of the picture, but it was interesting because he calmed That's them down. He actually calmed the governor down on a phone call. Wow. Well, it was a thing, huh? Yeah. yeah. Very interesting. They
0: probably, never thought, they probably never thought, Mike, that people would actually really all come together collectively, which is really what it was all about, was really a celebration of, you know, freedom, peace, and um, you know what people wanted to hear—the best and the, the best of the best. So, the year was 1969. So, anyway, getting back to what you were saying in the very beginning, where you were right in the front, and it started at five o'clock. And and I think Spencer said Richie Havens was the first person on stage. Let's go through let's go through what your experience was from the beginning to like you know where we can segue into different things.
3: Uh, Richie Havens was, was terrific. I mean, we were so starved okay. for music. Uh, I think mm-hmm. we would have probably loved anything. But he was so good. And he was attacking his guitar with a physical dexterity that was like an athlete. And then he broke a string, like in the first song. He was, he was hitting really? those wow. strings so hard. And so we had to sit there and, and restring a guitar. And in front of everyone, he just said, you know, hey, we're all here. You're going to hear a lot of songs tonight. He talked to us. Uh, he was yeah. very calming. And he was so cool. Mm. And, and then he got into this uh, these funky riffs. We had a conga player with him. And, boy, I'll tell you, uh, those three guys that were up on stage, they made the sound of a big band. And then, of course, the famous Freedom, which he made up on the spot. Uh, unbelievable! Wow, he was wonderful. Story,
1: yeah. Wow, wow.
3: I mean, there were some bands that weren't so wonderful. I mean, Sweetwater came on; they were the first band, uh, and their set sort of served as a sound check, uh, and they were
2: underwhelming. Mm-hmm.
3: I remember sort of leaving the spot. We would we would each leave the spot solo, so keep the other guy mm-hmm. there to keep our spot. And luckily, there was a flag that was planted very close to us from another couple who had a peace sign flag. And we oh, used that flag as a barometer so we knew where to, to come back
1: to. Oh, wow, Early great. On, oh wow! there were
3: still hot dog yeah. stands. So I, I kept going to the mm. hot dog stands, buying hot dogs and sodas, <laughs> until, of course, I went and they said, no more hot dogs, we're out. I said oh, fine. Wow. Send me to a different hot dog stand. They go, you
1: don't understand. There's no more food, and I sort of freaked.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you know, and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I saw also in this Woodstock movie I saw, which is very interesting, that they had this tent, you know, for the drug people that got really bad drug uh, experiences. And there what were, they did was, yeah. what they did was, the people that were cured. In other words, the people that they they cured, they were the ones that helped the other people. I thought that was beautiful. Oh, that's I mean, absolutely the correct. They came
3: in. They were talked down from bad trips. You, Romney, who later became Wavy Gravy, who led the Hog Farm, who was hired for so-called security, they were hardly security. But what they did was they calmed the people down, and they told the people that, listen, you just took something, wait it out, you'll be fine. And then ultimately, they were fine, and then they were asking, help the next kid that came in. See, that's important. That was the spirit of communalism that perpetrated the entire event. And I got to tell you, 500 think of this, 500,000 people, not enough food, not enough water, not enough bathrooms with horrible weather and not one reported instance of violence. Oh, oh yeah, that's thing. amazing. And no police. So, yeah, it, it's see, almost impossible.
1: Amazing. So, uh, Michael, amazing, I I was you reading into
0: that, before. especially Hello? I
1: was going to bring up the fact that uh, the loudest band off, had to be Mountain, to. right? Mountain. Mm. Yes,
3: Mountain okay. was great. I
1: loved Mountain. They were one of my favorites all weekend. Because the way you have it in the book, Leslie West describes that they stacked the, the sun speakers, and they said they kept on stacking them for the other people, and so it was so loud the way he describes it. So I figured that had to be the loudest band in the whole thing, right?
3: I don't, I don't know, know who was louder, the who or mountain, but I have a feeling that the that mountain might have been even louder than the who they had stacks really? martial amps that i mean when Leslie West took an electric lead guitar solo, it was like lightning in the sky right. <laughs> his his it was unbelievable. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Leslie, I know for years, Leslie's a good friend of mine, I've seen him some, I've known mm-hmm. him for a long time, but he had that real power, and he had, of course, Felix Papillardi, man, right? Felix yeah, Papillardi's yeah, playing, playing with him, so that was, an, right. that had to be insane, that had to be totally insane. And so sad with uh, Felix Papillardi, yeah. who outlived his rock
3: star usefulness and became sort of a, uh, a, a pathetic junkie
1: whose wife ultimately yeah. murdered him. Right.
0: Oh, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, that's a kid's
0: story, right? You know, Mike, I want to go back to one thing you were talking about. And You and Spencer, Spencer, you brought it up about the little rehab areas where people were able to go and get medical attention for everything. And you mentioned Wavy Gravy being there. Now, Wavy Gravy lives right <laughs> near me. And <laughs> um, I've heard stories, no, And his sons, his sons have been told all the stories of Woodstock, which is amazing. And so they all sit around, and whenever I've ever been around them, they all sit around, what do they talk about, Woodstock? Because it's like there were so many stories that came out of that place. And, um, you know, as you said, they all, he, he said to me the one thing that he took away from all of it was that everybody really at that point it was collectively just everyone wanting to help each other there were no boundaries you know there was no difference in anything and the music the people that, that came there was no real set list he said there was no real set on who was going to come and show up it was they knew who was invited and who was going to be there and correct me if I'm wrong Mike but he said that they knew who was going to be there, but a lot of other people showed up because they said, "Hey, that sounds like a really cool thing to do." Like there were a couple bands that are iconic that just showed up to play and um, we Well, all I know, know John
3: Sebastian you know, showed up he did not he did not uh expect to play, and he performed mm-hmm. a beautiful set. Country mm-hmm. Joe McDonald was not expected to play solo on Saturday afternoon. He was scheduled for Sunday with his band, Country Joe and the Fish. Uh, mm-hmm. There were bands that uh, that were supposed to play and then never did. Iron Butterfly, the Jeff Beck Group, those two bands are on the original poster, and they did not
1: uh, show yeah, up. You have a you have a listing in the book. Let, let me bring this up while you're talking about it. You have a Someone's listing calling. in the book of uh, bands Hold uh, on that one bands one that minute. didn't play. That uh, it's very interesting. The bands that didn't play, which are amazing, if you see the names, right, Michael, uh, that are listed in the book, that you list in the book. It's called Invited
3: That's to the cool.
2: Dance,
1: but. Yeah, and yeah. bands but like but The Doors. They didn't show up. They didn't show uh, up. Hey. Right,
0: I don't mean to interrupt you guys, but we have a call. Let's see who it is real quick before, if do, and then we can get back into the show. 574, mm. you're on the air. Who's this? This is Hello? Billy. 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 Billy, who? From Mississippi. Billy Billy from Mississippi. (laughs) Uh, Billy, do you know Mike? I just started listening
2: to this show right
0: here. I'm not sure
2: what you're talking about. It sounds like it might be a little bit about Woodstock. Is that correct?
0: It is. Were you at (laughs) Woodstock, Billy? I
4: was. I was there. And I don't remember a whole bunch after that. i tell
2: you that right now. I don't know who showed up, who didn't show up. I just danced around in the mud there. I had a good old time. I remember that. We Billy, did you
0: eat? Did I, you, did, Billy, where are you? I, I, I
3: ate those fancy mushrooms. I did though. <laughs>
0: Billy, where are you calling from? What state? Coming Mississippi, right here,
1: right here by Trader Park, right there. All right. Mississippi, Mississippi and where
0: man. were where were you living during Woodstock? Mississippi. Oh, so you went from Mississippi all the way to New York. Wow. Oh
1: my god. I,
3: know, and I got yeah, I got I got I took my
1: girlfriend
0: with me. She
3: was a midget and I've never seen her since. So I found I left <laughs> her up there in New York. She's a little
1: bit of
0: midget. She's
2: she, I never saw her
0: after that. I don't know where she at. Billy, you know, it sounds to me like you are still on mushrooms and having a good old time. I don't know what happened to me, buddy. I don't know what
2: happened to me. I went to the woods That you I lost to your Jim midget. Andrew. You lost
0: your midget girlfriend. I'm so sorry. My midget <laughs> girlfriend. Yes, she. You know, it's hard to see
2: a midget in the crowd. So she ran off, and I don't know. if She got covered in mud or what happened.
1: To her. She did, i never saw her again. <laughs> I think we're still at Woodstock, Holly. I think Billy, we're still at Woodstock. Billy, right I now, we're living it. it. Billy.
0: We're, Billy. We're living Woodstock. What, what bands? What bands did you hear play that you really liked? I heard the Jimi Hendrix. that hey, guitar.
2: Right you, right
1: stay
2: for yeah, Hendrix.
1: you. stayed for Hendrix? Wow, you I you thought nobody was. You stayed Hendrix. There.
3: You were
5: what? one of.
1: Yeah, I yeah, lost my girlfriend,
3: bitch, the midget, way before Hendrick, so I didn't see him. The midgets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the midget?
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah. The midget yeah. girlfriend. Oh, my God, Holly, I love it. Girlfriend. I love it.
0: This he lost is a trippy his phone call. girlfriend, he said what he was doing. You know yeah. what? We don't like to call them midgets. We Well, no. you know, smaller Can't people. Do that. We love all people of all types. Um, Mike, do you remember <laughs> seeing just everybody and anybody there? But Billy, uh, did you go with anyone else? Did you meet up with some friends there from Mississippi? No, nobody. I didn't meet up with nobody there. No, all we did was roll around in that mud. You know that big old mud
2: puddle they had there. Oh, that's. We rolled around great. in it. That's what I love. Roll bit. around in mud. Jesus. I do, you right up here, a a trailer. right here in Mississippi, yeah, we have
0: a mud pile right up here sometimes, I do it. That's amazing, well, you know what, Billy, I'm going to continue this interview with Mike, would you like to stay on the line and listen to it? i listen for as long as I can
2: stand
0: it, honey. Oh, cool, well, you know what, we have a lot of listeners, so I'm sure you can stand it, hold on, Okay. So,
1: uh, Holly, let let me come in here. <laughs> Holly, this is a trip. Hey, Michael, Michael, are you there? I, I most certainly are, am. are you there? Are you alive? I love it. Hey, so listen, tell us about Must Jimi it. Hendrix, because that was the last act, and nobody was there, right? Uh, Hendrix. 20,000 Jim-
0: people, he said, and it was pouring rain. I remember you telling me this story, and they said, don't take the brown acid. I think that, that our friend Billy from Mississippi took the brown acid. He did. He's still on it. I, <laughs> I love the brown acid. Billy, if you're listening, yeah, Billy's still I have him muted, but he's still there.
1: Yeah, but listen, let, 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 Holly, let me bring, bring something in that's no, important. No, let's talk about Hendri- it. Hendrix was the yeah. last act, right? And, and Michael, isn't it true there was hardly anybody there, but there's a listing of 17 songs he played, right? That's a yeah, lot more than anybody else. He basically played to a sea of garbage. (laughs)
3: Wow.
0: (laughs) I can't believe that. That's
1: incredible.
0: (laughs) Billy rolls around in mud still, he said.
1: But, but Michael, you know what blows my mind? He had a long (laughs) set, didn't he? He had 17 songs according to your book. Is that right? Yeah, he, he played. He likes to
3: jam, you know.
1: Uh, yeah. I always thought that this, he ended Woodstock with
3: the Star-Spangled Ooh. Banner, but he didn't. He went into Purple Haze after the Star-Spangled Banner. Oh, really? Banner. That's wow. Cool. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow, you know the story. you got the real story. Okay. Well, it's and, interesting.
3: And, and Jimmy so, Hendrix wasn't even Michael Lang's first choice to close the festival. Michael Lang really? wanted the singing cowboy, Roy Rogers, oh, yeah, to Roy close Rogers. the no, festival with wow, oh, the story of that. Yeah, let's hear
0: what about happened? you and uh, the last set.
1: Roy Rogers laughed in his face. Wow.
0: Wow. He, he said wow.
1: no. He mm-hmm. had no you had a gauge on that. You know? Interesting. There are a lot of people that said no. Yeah, Tommy <laughs> James said no.
3: You know, Tommy James and the Shondells was one of the biggest selling acts in That's America right. at the time. That's but they right. were touring in Hawaii, and he's sitting at the foot of Diamond Head in Paradise. And he gets a call from his agent saying, hey, there's this pig farmer in upstate New York who wants (laughs) you to play this festival. Tommy James goes, I don't think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, then then there's Joni Mitchell's story where she was on an interview, right? She had to
1: do an interview.
0: Oh, I can't talk. Is it on? Hello? Can you guys hear me, or is my Mu- no, my you're mic there. Muted? You're there.
1: No, no, you're there. Oh, okay, you're I wasn't
0: there. sure if you could hear me or not. Are you there, Mike? Yes. Yeah. I think we lost Mike. Oh, Spencer, no. Go no. ahead. What no, were he's you there. saying? He's and there. then I'll oh. ask. Okay. I was going to oh. ask Mike about the story that he told me about when they were un- when. Jimi Hendrix took the stage and it was pouring rain and there was only like twenty thousand people he said in the audience and that you had to run back to your car but you couldn't find your car. And they said wow. something about the brown acid. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: just,
0: I wanna hear you, that story.
3: You put together you I put together like three, three different stories. <laughs> <Yes>. mm-hmm. <laughs> the the brown acid came earlier in the day. Joe Cocker Mm -hmm. was the first person to play on Sunday. It was beautifully sunny. Mm
2: -hmm. His set
3: was extraordinary, just fabulous. And this nice lady who came up to me and gave me a loaf of bread and a hit of acid. And (laughs) I I ravenously ate the bread. I ate a whole loaf of bread (laughs) right there. And I took the acid. And then about 30 minutes later came the announcement from the stage
1: Don't take the brown acid. And I said,
3: oh, no, I just took it. Uh, Well, um, fortunately for me, the brown acid was fine. Uh, It it was was great, in fact. Uh, Thank God. Joe set was so good. And with a little help from my friends, stretched on for days, it seemed. He wouldn't stop performing it until everybody stood up and gave him the standing ovation he wanted. It was a great moment. I'll never forget it. But then, right after Joe Cocker finished... All of a sudden, in the middle of the afternoon, it got pitch black. And I'm thinking to myself, i got to be hallucinating. <laughs> but I saw people pointing up at the sky. Clouds were forming. <coughs> it got really dark. And wow. then an announcement came from the stage that we're going to have to stop the music. There's a big storm coming. Hold That's on right. to your partners. Sit tight. We'll be back. Uh, <laughs> the point is that This culminated when the acid started really kicking in, and there was no music, and it started (laughs) to pour,
0: and my my friend Neil
3: left me to find a phone booth to call our mom, (laughs) so I was alone, and I started to get paranoid, and the people around me weren't friendly anymore, it seemed,
1: and in fact, they all
3: seemed to be new people, like a different set of people, completely, Mm -hmm. and they were all well-dressed as if they had just come in from the suburbs. <laughs> and there I was, oh, a dirty hippie who hadn't bathed or brushed oh, his God. teeth in four days, and I felt awful, and now the acid's kicking in. You know, the concept of music as salvation started for me at Woodstock and has kept with me my whole life. In other words, as long as the music is playing, everything's going to be fine. Right. And I, that still right. exists to this day, but no matter how uncomfortable we were at Woodstock as long as the music was playing. But in that three to four hours, there was no music, and it was pouring, and I got really cold and wet,
1: and I was hungry
3: and, and thirsty, and I had to go to the bathroom, and it wasn't fun anymore. In fact, Sunday was a nightmare. Oh, good. And that's one of the things that differentiates my book from all the other books, that palpable sense of panic permeates my book to the point where you really feel what it was like to be there in that situation. Uh, Country Joe and the Fish were the first band back after the deluge. Mm. And they were great. They were just fabulous. Mm
2: -hmm. But not as
3: good as when Country Joe came on the day before Mm -hmm. and did that cheer, that Mm -hmm. famous fish cheer. But they didn't use the word fish. Uh, And he said, Country Joe came out because Santana wasn't ready yet. They had equipment problems. So they pushed him out on the stage, and he, he borrowed the guitar. He said, I got no guitar straps. So they, they fashioned a rope and they, for a guitar strap, and he walks out, and he does uh, the song about his old girlfriend, Janis Joplin, and nobody's listening oh, to wow. him. Oh, wow. And then he does wow. a few country songs, and nobody's listening to him. That's Everyone incredible. is like at a big family picnic, uh-huh. and he walks off the stage, and nobody even notices
2: And he goes to his
3: manager and he goes, dude, there's nobody even listening to me because I do the fish cheer. And the manager goes, go ahead. What's the difference? So he comes (laughs) back out and he goes, give me an F. And we shouted out F. And he goes, give me a U. And we shouted out U. What's (laughs) that spell? And we shouted out that word at the top of our lungs. And i got to tell you, when you're 18, by yourself, stoned, free, it was hilarious. It was freedom. It was... Uh, just the most unbelievable moment when we shouted out that, and he kept on saying, what's that spell? And we kept on shouting that word again. and It was cathartic. Uh, it, what a moment. So his second I, set with his band was a little bit of a letdown because I was so cold and wet in my clothing.
1: But that first mm-hmm. moment was unbelievable. I, I want to bring in something because my experience in the, in the drug era was that I was very blessed, Michael, that I had people around me that stayed with me, even on bad trips, you know, uh, acid, mescaline, whatever. And when you're alone, I think it's a whole other ballgame game. Uh, that you're oh, describing. no doubt
3: about it. That's what they tell you. Set and setting is very yeah. important, and to yeah. have a guide, someone that's straight. That's uh, right. I had nothing, uh, oh, and I was alone
1: I in feel a sea bad. of people oh, that God. weren't
3: friendly anymore, and I started that's to really, really panic.
1: That's horrible. That's I mean, horrible. I couldn't
3: leave. Mm-hmm. Neil would have never found me. And I couldn't mm-hmm. sit down mm-hmm. back on the ground because now the mud was up to my ankles. So all I could do was mm-hmm. stand there. Oh, but the people mm-hmm. were so friendly and That's so good. nice. See, That's good. That guys that you would be scared you? to meet Did in a dark alley in yeah. Newark, New Jersey, late at night. Not only took care of me, they fed me, they gave me water, they Good, built great. fires, they kept wow. me warm. One guy put a blanket over me. Oh, uh, the great. people really, and I know it's a cliche at this point. Hey, oh. we're the peace and love generation, right? We proved it for four days in a horrible situation. People really did take care of each other. And the vibe That's was so great. peaceful and so filled with love that I can't begin mm-hmm. to tell you, and as I say, it's it's it almost sounds corny in this day and age,
1: but it was true. You know you know what? How about the people cleaning up the field after the concert? There weren't the yeah. People. You know God how? God
3: bless them. That wasn't yep. me. Yeah, I, we left. absolutely. We, we really wanted to see Jimmy, but we couldn't stay. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning on Sunday night, the last day, and mm. I was still tripping heavily. My friend Neil, God really? bless him, stayed oh. straight all four days, said that it, you know, we made a pact. We weren't going to leave until both of us wanted to leave. And mm. I didn't want to leave. I knew I couldn't drive at that point. Right, and here right. comes the band. One of my favorite <laughs> acts of all time. I'm certainly not going to leave during the band.
2: And they were
3: cool because not only did their voices ring out with those three-part harmonies, uh, but they kept switching instruments. They all played every instrument. It was amazing. Yeah. I've never seen that. And, well. then, and then after the band, Neil goes, come on, we got to go. I go, no, 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 let's just see who's next. And it was Johnny Winner and his brother, Edgar Winner. And Neil oh, always loved the blues yeah. anyway. So we, we're not going to mm-hmm. leave during Johnny Winner. So then we go, well, fine, who's next? When they introduced Blood, Sweat, and Tears, we thought we were seeing Al Cooper and Blood, Sweat, and Tears because in 1968, their wonderful debut album, Child is Father to the Man, was one of the best albums of that year. But no, here's this guy, David Clayton Thomas, singing that stupid spinning wheel song, and we (laughs) looked at each other, and we go,
0: we ain't staying for this, we're out of here.
1: Wow, that's funny.
0: That's funny. No, I think... I wanted to ask you something. Had you ever dropped acid prior to going to, um, not that this whole shows about acid, or we're just talking, I just want to know because it's all part of the experience, but had you ever dropped acid before going to Woodstock, or was that your we first used, time?
3: Uh, we used to drop acid every week and go to the Fillmore. <laughs> oh
0: wow. Okay. As a matter of
3: fact, my big acid story before Woodstock was when we went to see Phil Pink Floyd, Linda Ronstadt, and the Woody Herman Big oh, Band. Wow. What a what a bill. Mm-hmm. And when Pink Floyd came on, we used to time taking the acid so that we would peak during the band's headlining set. Well, they're playing Careful with That Axe, Eugene from their album Umaguma, which if you know <laughs> that song is 10 minutes of mellifluous organ doodling, and then a <laughs> scream. Well, when they did, did that uh-huh. scream, it's freaked me out. Michael, are we out. talking about Fillmore East or Fillmore the, West? The Fillmore East. I'm an East Coast guy, my man.
1: Well, oh, yeah, I, I used to go to the Fillmore East. I, uh, I saw the dead there. I saw Buddy Guy. I saw a lot of great stuff at the East. And um, I, I, I dropped Asu at the Dead concert there, you know, <laughs> with a dead blade. But that was a great place, the Fillmore. I really missed that. The Fillmore East was amazing, right? My
3: point is that when the guys did the scream in Pink Floyd, it freaked <laughs> me out. And I, I ran out of the Fillmore East on 2nd Avenue, hyperventilating, walking down the street, not knowing where I was going. And then oh I saw this God. club called Slugs, which is a jazz club that's not there anymore. And I right. walked right in. And there was this black dude on the bandstand playing the craziest <laughs> saxophone I had ever heard. It was Pharo Sanders. And he just oh left God. John Coltrane's band. Yeah. And I stood against the wall sweating and hyperventilating and looking at this guy. And that was my introduction to jazz.
1: Wow. And I'll never
3: forget it. Then they kicked me out, and I walked back to the Fillmore. But... That's my, my Pink Floyd
1: story. That's a great story.
3: Oh,
0: Pink Floyd's amazing. I have to tell you a funny story about Pink Floyd not getting away from Woodstock, but that was the only concert I went to. Um, I have a daughter. That was the only concert I went to when I was pregnant and to this day it's like every year she'll give me a new Pink Floyd T shirt, you know, because mm-hmm. I told her that. I said, my God, it was the only concert I ever went to when I was oh, pregnant wow. with you, and it was just amazing. Yeah. So there's I, a big Holly, thing Holly, Holly, I that. saw them
1: at the Nassau Coliseum, mm-hmm. and I remember, you know, I can mm-hmm. remember it, Holly. You know, it was amazing. They had an incredible light show.
0: Amazing. Yeah. Right, they, the show, they, right? They, Holly, they the, are, the show, Pink
1: Floyd is something Yeah, good describe,
0: they really right? are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, oh, they are. They're great. Pretty, great.
0: Pretty amazing people. Too, as well because they're very yep. talented each one individually but you know getting back to Woodstock Mike and your book let's talk really quickly about giving out your website really quick and I want to make an announcement if you missed the beginning of this show you can listen to it afterwards on iTunes and also on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio with myself and Spencer great and um, it will be available And if you'd like to call in and you have a real story you'd like to share with us um, or you'd like to just talk to Mike about Woodstock and his experience or either myself, Holly Steffi, or Spencer Drake, 347-677-1036. Meanwhile, I'd like to give your website out for your book and talk about some of the pictures and stuff that you have in the book too as well.
3: Oh, yeah. uh, Woodstock 50th Anniversary, Back to Yasgers Farm by Mike Greenblatt. It's sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books a Million. Uh, I, don't ev- I don't even have a website, but you could go on Facebook, Mike Greenblatt. I post all of my reviews and my interviews there. I've been getting phenomenal press on this book. Everyone seems to like it. Okay. Uh, and they the pictures, it. i got to yeah. say a word about my editor, Paul Kennedy, who I had fights with debates with because he took out some of the sex and he took out some of the drugs and he I, I, it's Woodstock man what are you doing
1: but he was right <laughs> he was right uh he but, made but the book more Michael readable. tell us about the pictures you've got a lot of pictures in the book how did you get all those yeah pictures?
2: you do a
3: lot Two two 250 mm-hmm. pictures they really pop off the page and it's Great. not just the That's artists dope. it's the fans It's Mm -hmm. the people behind the stage, on the stage, under the stage. Uh, It really, he really juxtaposed the pictures with the prose in perfect Mm -hmm. proximity, and he did a marvelous job. Uh, So it really is uh, sort of like one-stop shopping for anything with Woodstock. This is the book to get, no doubt.
1: It is. It is the book to get.
0: And you know what? I really liked. I've read. So many of the reviews and you have been on quite a few other shows with people that have talked to you about this and, um, you know, your book and about your experiences and stuff and, you know, all positive, beautiful reviews. And I wanted to say that, you know, we're so honored to be able to have you here. And I did extend the show a little bit just so you know. Because we're having a good time I don't know if you're on a time limit or anything But I did extend it I do see Billy still on hold Billy, um, it looks like you're calling from Plymouth, Indiana Is that where you're calling from? And um, it's interesting The name of the person who owns your phone So um, <laughs> Big Bird is your last name That's very interesting Okay That's cool So Billy, I'm glad you're here on hold Still listening as long as you can listen to it, I'm glad you're listening. And, um, Mike, I wanted to ask you really quickly, you know, what, what was the driving ambition because you had gone to this, obviously it really affected you and it really made you want to tell your story and share your story and paint your story for people. What was, like, the reason why you really wanted to do this book? And 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 well, I mean, you did it in the right did it the right way too. I mean, it's beautiful. Thank you,
3: thank you very much. I mm-hmm. I didn't I had no plans to write a book about Woodstock. Uh, mm-hmm. I, it just so happens that I write for Goldmine Magazine, which is a uh, classic oh, rock oh, magazine yeah. since the '70s, very mm-hmm. well respected. Yeah, and well, my Goldmine editor is. there. I also write for the Aquarian Weekly, by the way, in New Jersey since oh, 1974. Right. Um, but the point is that. Uh, Uh, The editor of of Goldmine, Pat Prince, is a good buddy of mine, and we go to Yankee Games, and he loves my Woodstock stories. He's always (laughs) asking me to tell him my Woodstock stories. Uh, So this company that owns Goldmine also has a book division, and in 2009, they put out a book for the 40th anniversary, and it sold very well.
0: So Mm -hmm. they were going
3: to plan to do a book for the 50th, and it was Pat Prince, my friend, who suggested, hey, let Greenblatt do it. He's got great stories.
1: So I owe him a dinner. That's great. Perfect timing. Yeah. It
0: It's um you know I've heard like I said every review I've read has been stellar and um we want to thank um Carol for helping, you know, put this interview together and also um your publisher. Um hopefully I'll be getting my book soon.
3: Which is you will great. Your I love book. it. If I yeah, have to go I to Barnes & Noble's and
0: buy you one, oh, I no, will send that. you a book. I promise. You know what? If you have to do that, I want it personalized, darling. Uh,
1: <laughs> when's your signature, birthday? Signature. Signed book.
0: This, December,
1: December. Oh, I'm not going to wait till December.
0: No, I need the book now because I, I have to tell you, I resonate very much with um, Woodstock, not only because... Most of the people that I really love, and even now want to listen to. I mean, they've all played, and people that we've had on the show, we've had quite a few of the people that have played Woodstock on our show, and you know, also I have to say, you, I did open up with the Joni Mitchell version of Woodstock, and I want to tell you, I know that song is very near and dear to her heart because of the fact that she was so torn up inside that she wasn't able to be there that day. And she, the story is she, I mean, I don't know. Do you have a story on that? Because the story I've been told and through other people and through her is that she sat down and she just wrote the song because this is what she was feeling.
2: Yeah, that's and, right. And,
0: um, you know, she really was very upset that she wasn't able to be there. And that was when, you know, CSNY, um, you know, or she uh, CSN Holly, was there. I,
1: Holly, I have to interrupt. She what? she was supposed to be, she had an interview. So that's the story. She had right. an interview, and she didn't want to miss right. that. And she spoke to somebody that described to her what it was like. That's very important. Mm-hmm. So that she had the input of the feeling of it, you know.
0: Exactly. And there were yeah. a lot of her emotions in that in that song. So that's why I played both, just to give everyone a different take on, on it. Yeah, that's and, great. You know. Yeah. That was uh, great. You know, both. both are very iconic songs And um, we're ending our show today With a song from who did I believe your intro Country Joe McDonald Yes is that... ma'am
3: Country Joe was the yeah. heart and soul of Woodstock As far as I'm concerned But that story that you're referring to Graham Nash mm-hmm. told me last year when I was writing this book and I did apologize mm-hmm. to Graham Nash for not sticking around for his set we saw 27 of the 32 bands uh, after Blood, mm-hmm. Sweat and Tears was, was uh, uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young the Paul Butterfield Blues Band Shawna Na and Jimi Hendrix those were the bands we did not mm-hmm. see but in, to, but to uh, apologize to Graham Nash 49 years later he was quite the gentleman but he told me a wonderful story which I'm not going to tell you you'll have to buy the book uh, but the. Uh, oh,
0: come the, on,
3: my. Well, you know that was. She was his girlfriend
0: story. at the time. Oh. Well, we know
3: that. A, they had a suite in New York City with a grand piano if I have in a
0: king, it. You know that song, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah. And yeah, I know all they,
0: about it. She yep. was going to go. She was invited. She was going to be
3: part mm-hmm. of it. But Elliot Roberts, the manager, said, uh-uh, you're doing the Dick Cavett show. First thing in the morning, you'll never make it if you wow. go to Woodstock. So don't right. go. So
4: right. they get
3: back to the hotel, and uh, she she wrote the song after listening to the news and listening to the radio, and she mm-hmm. played it for him. And, and, they, and, and, and Stephen Stills looks at her, and he goes, wow, uh, can we have that song? And she didn't. She didn't even bat an eye. She said, "Of course." And then he goes, "Uh, "Can we uh, change it
0: around a little bit?"
3: And Mm. then, of course, that's the more celebrity—not celebrity. It was
1: a celebration. That song in their in their hands. It
0: was, yeah. It was like I wanted to. Holly, I want to
1: mention some events I went to, which Mm -hmm. were associated with Woodstock. If I could, if I had a couple of minutes,
2: sure. Um, uh, Mm -hmm.
1: Let me just bring in a couple of them. I went to see, uh, and you'll love this, Michael, I went to see John Fogarty, mm-hmm. uh, interviewed by David uh, Frick from Rolling Stone mm-hmm. at 92 Y, spoke to John Fogarty, and the next day, Michael, I'm I, i, I I'm at a Michael Lang book signing uh, with Henry Diltz at the Morrison Hotel. Now, Henry did a lot of photography there, you know, at Woodstock, of course, and photographed so many amazing people that Holly and I know. Um so um, those those it was sort of like a Woodstock week, and then your book was flying in at the same time. So it's kind of like that whole thing. And I also want to mention a couple other things. There's the Making Vinyl event that I'm involved with as a judge this year, which will be in Hollywood, October 14th to 15th. People can buy tickets uh, uh, if they go online at makingvinyl.com, and um, – I also saw Alejandro Escovedo at the Iridium, and I want to say thank you to Alejandro and Holly knows uh, Alejandro. uh, He's a very dear friend of ours. And also um, a big event coming up is Jim Jarmusch and Iggy Pop at 92Y, September 10th, and the knockout event is Les Zeppelin, who we had on our show. Remember, um, you know, Steph Payne's was on our show. They're doing a free concert at the Play It Loud Rock guitar show at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, September 13th. And why I want to mention this: it's free. So if you go on to the Met, you can get in for free if you uh, in, if you uh, RSVP. That's very important. It should be a really good, really good concert at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, September uh, 13th. That's my story.
0: That's amazing,
1: <laughs> My You're part you of it. Still there? know all these people we all both Holly and i know all these people that i mentioned and we're always yeah. very uh you know they're all integrated a lot of them integrated and,
0: and i am impressed that mike um uh, has gotten to talk to pretty much everyone that he needed to to complete yeah. this book and also that's amazing the fact that's that you're amazing. writing. For a rock and roll magazine and you're doing this and that. You didn't tell me any of this. And I read your bio, darling. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so you know, Holly, i got to bring in something. The Aquarian, Michael, you wrote for The Aquarian. I used to pick that magazine up all the time when I was in New York. Going I still book. do. You do? It's still. A lot. That's a great, great
0: That's what periodical, I
1: periodical mean. The Aquarian. He's, it's historic.
0: He's... um. He's dialed in. So.
3: All I've he ever done my in. entire life is <laughs> listen to music and tell people about it.
0: Wow. Yeah, see? So we want to hear, we both want to hear now that we've gotten a little bit more information. And, again, I extended the show a tiny little bit. Do you have a little extra time or did you not? Sure, sure. Okay. I wanted to ask you if there were besides, I mean, the whole deal about you getting the bread and then dropping the brown ass. It. And then the hot dogs, the hot dogs and not finding your car. I want to know a few more other stories, like, that you want to share with our listeners that really stick out. And then I want to know, how did you guys finally find your frigging car? <laughs> <laughs> we we found we our out? car. With wow. the help
3: of Professor Chris Langhart, one of the uh, wow, uh, wood, one of the Woodstock heroes, wow. is Professor Chris yes. Langhart from, from Bill Graham's Fillmore East, who did yes. lights. He did sound, he did construction, he built the stage, he built the backstage. He put Christmas lights in the woods. He, he bought out every mm-hmm. single Christmas light in Manhattan in the month of August.
0: It's and he
3: festooned the woods with Christmas lights. And that's how we found Mm -hmm. the car. And I'll never forget walking through Mm -hmm. those woods with the Christmas lights. And I was still tripping (laughs) at the time. And flashing the peace sign to everybody who passed us. Uh, People were sharing food at that point. Townspeople had driven up with flatbed trucks to hand out fresh fruit and vegetables and loaves of bread. Uh, And there was the car. And when we found it, it was like... Manna from heaven, the Holy Grail, mm-hmm. and we tore into mm-hmm. the soggy peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and <laughs> drank the hot water <laughs> in the canteen <laughs> and and we changed clothes, and it was just what I a guess. what a feeling to finally find the car. Mm, yeah. But the
0: music Life-saving. too. I mean, what, which, what music really could you say? Today made a big impact on you. What? Because I, I know it's it's going to be hard because there were so many. But is there any experience that you want to share or that you that stuck with you that really has impacted your life and influenced you today?
3: Sure. Uh, Sly in the family stone. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, stone that's exactly the... what I was thinking about. Higher. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was at the height of his career. The height of his. Oh talent. my god. He was so brilliant in fusing hard rock with funk and these Mm -hmm. horns. And I had never heard anything like that before in my life.
2: Mm -hmm. And
3: I had seen Mm -hmm. Sly and the Family Stone only once, about three weeks before Woodstock, at the Electric Circus, when Jimi Hendrix was in the house. And he actually Mm -hmm. jammed with Sly on the last song, but they were so magnetic and so wonderful and joyous, and he had us, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and he had us jumping up and down and and throwing up the peace sign and chanting higher, higher, (laughs) and and I'll never forget it. That was the number one Um, musical experience of Woodstock for me personally, Sly and the Family Stump. Oh, my God. You know, that you know
1: Michael, really, you won't believe this, that's funny. but I was thinking of Sly and the Family Stone at the same time as you said his name. You won't believe this.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah.
1: I, I can't believe it that. But yeah, that's – that's. Uh, and, and by the way, uh, Holly you know, Holly and I had Ronald Luxenberg, who signed Sly on our show a couple of weeks ago. and um, Well, that was the
0: uh, song that he chose for me to play. Yeah, guitar. remember,
1: Holly? Yeah, yeah. Yes.
0: That was one of the songs that he wanted me to play. Exactly. Because what's really cool about being on, you know, the shows is we allow our guests, because it try. I feel it makes it more personal, to open and close with whatever music they feel really tells a story about what they want to talk about. So mm-hmm. it kind of goes the extra mile, which really, you know, I mean, I have not my idea what I want to do, but you know what? It's so funny because a lot of the music that, my guest choose is music that I would have chosen, you know, it's really, it's really cool. So, you know, the song that we're ending with is a song that um, when we get closer to ending the show, I want you to tell me the story you told me about how it was raining and the (laughs) sky came on. And um, so on your interviews for your book, Uh, Because the fact that I don't have it in front of me right now, but I just want to ask you, because I've I've read a lot online and I've seen a lot of people's, um, you know, the descriptions and stuff. Who did you interview that you really, it just really was an aha moment. It really was like a moment where it took you back to that exact time when you were there.
3: Well, I went to see at the Sellersville Mm -hmm. Theater in Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, and the drummer, Vito de la Parra, and the bass player, mm-hmm. Larry Taylor, the mole, was telling me some great stories about how they got in. They were trapped at the hotel, and wow. they couldn't get in. And there comes the here comes the press helicopter. And at the time, mm-hmm. Big Bob uh, Height, the bear, was 300 pounds of uh, nastiness. And Bob goes, we'll, we'll commandeer that that." A helicopter. Screw the press. And they go to the helicopter, and they took the press guy out of there, and he threw him on the ground, physically. And he goes, wow. uh, the, the press guy goes, we're here to report the news. You can't do this. And Bob Height goes, yeah, we're here to make the news. Get out of that helicopter. So they commandeered the mm-hmm. helicopter to get in, and then to get out, they stole a car. Uh, there was a limo with, oh, wow. that was idling, that was supposed to take another band. So they, they got in the limo, they drove, they, so they stole it. They drove to the hotel, <laughs> but they got to the hotel, they said that they were Janis Joplin's backup band. So give us the rooms <laughs> that Janis Joplin has. And then uh, they got out of there, they took the car to the rent-a-car place. Five, this is the kicker, mm-hmm. five years later, they go back to play mm-hmm. a similar area in that area, and they tell the story mm-hmm. to the limo driver who's driving them, and the limo driver stops dead on the Long Island Expressway, and he goes, you've got to be kidding. That was my limo you stole. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh.
3: It's almost like, impossible to so believe. Funny. So that was the interview that really, really brought me back to the way it was. And uh, Larry Taylor, the mole, died just last week. I'm very upset because Aww. that rhythm section of Canned Heat was still playing in 2019 so beautifully. Uh, and and they, they, they gave me such a great interview.
0: Mm-hmm. Who else have you interviewed that you really enjoyed that uh, you want to share when with I our When I spoke listeners? to Carlos Santana, he was telling mm-hmm. me how
3: no one ever heard of the band. No one ever heard of Santana mm-hmm. on the East Coast. They were a West Coast phenomenon. In fact, the no Graham had to muscle them onto the gig if they wanted the Grateful Dead. They had to take Santana. And they were only paid like $750. Uh, mm-hmm. But their set was so incredible. And uh, Carlos, he's a wonderful speaker when he does interviews. Absolutely. Uh, he goes mm-hmm. off on these tangents about the continuity of music, a line between George Harrison, Michael Jackson, Miles Davis, John Coltrane, and then when you see him live, he implements those artists' music within the contexts of his solos. It's just amazing but I'll never forget talking to Carlos and he has a very mystifying smooth silent talking way that mm-hmm. he just lulls you in I think that might have been my favorite interview of all
0: really uh, that's interesting. you know he lives right near me and uh I did an event up here for Global Peace Day of all things and uh we did it I did it at um in Marin and he was invited and uh sent over some other people because he couldn't make it, but it was it was very you know, he's he's pretty cool. He's around the area. He plays a lot of open he just shows up places. There are a lot of musicians in this area that just show up as, as I'm sure that is in New York and in Jersey and wherever else people just show up and play and it's kind of like a thing. What about Jefferson Airplane? What was that like? Did you were you there for that? I was dead when they asleep. Played? Dead asleep.
3: i come wow. on, I got on at like six o'clock in the morning, maybe seven o'clock in the morning. Uh did I had they, fallen really? asleep. Uh their set mm-hmm. wasn't that great from what I understand. They had horrible equipment problems and uh but they did have Nicky Hopkins, which is interesting. You know, Nikki Hopkins was in the Jeff Beck group at the
4: time mm-hmm.
3: and Jeff Beck was mm-hmm. scheduled to play. And Rod Stewart quit the band in the middle of the tour, leaving him in a lurch. And uh, Nicky Hopkins, who was the keyboardist to that band, was so upset, he went to Woodstock on his own. And he wound up playing with Jefferson Airplane. And uh, oh, wow. so that set was, was very interesting. I did get to talk to uh, Jorma Kakkonen, uh, and Jack Cassidy. I also spoke to Whoa. Grace Slick, but not in time for the book. Boy, she's a corker. She's fabulous. She's looking at 80, mm-hmm. and she's just as uh, uh, outrageous she's cool. in an interview uh, yes. situation as ever.
0: I'll just tell you that she, gro- she throws a great Thanksgiving um, Day feast. Friends of oh, mine really? <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah. A lot of photographer friends um, that live in the city, they go to her house for Thanksgiving, and uh, they call her Gracie. She does a great... Thanksgiving Thanksgiving feast It's great. Um, so who else um let's see here. Clear Credence, um or Credence Clearwater, you said you saw them. Um, yeah, I spoke like? to
3: uh I, I spoke to Doug Clifford and Stu Cook. They hate John Fogarty to this day because John Fogerty oh, refused wow. to be in the movie, he refused to be in the soundtrack, he thought the band set was subpar. Guess what? He was wrong. They were one of the best bands at Woodstock. Back then, when you're wow. 18, you judge a band by how close they sounded to the album. And they sounded mm-hmm. great. I mean, theirs is, a, is the DNA of rock and roll. They're primal. Those songs are like folk songs, practically, come to life. And he was wrong. And when I called John Fogarty's uh, public relations people to get Balancing Common, they said, John ain't talking about that anymore. Go buy his book. So I did. Mm-hmm. I read his book. In fact, I read nine books during the course of writing mine. And those people that I couldn't get to uh, because they were dead or because they couldn't talk to me, I have quotes from their books. So everybody is included in my book, and there's a bibliography in the back from those books in which I took quotes from, and one of them is John Fogerty.
0: Wow. Oh wow, that's fantastic. That's uh, that's an interesting story. Spencer, did you have any more questions that you'd like to ask? I don't know. I
1: probably, I'm like you, Holly. It's probably a ton of stories we'd like to hear more. <laughs> no, there
0: are. I mean, I mean, Woodstock. It was. It was like. It. You know what's really funny is it's something that is kind of like. The Beatles and everybody else, you know, the other groups that we have, like the Ramones and stuff, it's kind of like something that, you know, when you hear the word name Woodstock, it's it's there. People know about it, even the young kids. They all know, yeah. hey, oh, gosh, I wish I could have gone to Woodstock. Um, we won't even go into, um, you know, all the different things around it, but, I mean, it's just, it, this is a great book. Um, you can read so many different, you know, stories and 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 get see amazing pictures from what I've seen on the net, and um, it's just it's just fantastic. And I want to thank you so much for being here today. And I want to thank Billy from Mississippi who's still on hold listening. You must have really liked <laughs> this interview because you said you weren't. You don't know as long as you could listen. I'm glad you're still here, Billy. Um, And, uh, Mike, you know, glad you're here. And we would love to have you back on.
3: Anytime. I had
0: a ball. Yeah, are you um, currently working on anything new?
3: Not yet. As I spoke to uh, a couple of artists who tell me that you don't do a second album until you've toured for your first album. So at 68, Mm -hmm. after being a journalist for 35 years, this is my first book I'm still touring in support of it and then and only then when the hubbub dies down, <clears throat> will I think of my next book. All right. hmm And the hubbub well, ain't died wanna... down yet.
0: <laughs> no, I, I hear you on that one. I wanted to tell everyone, um, this I know that we're coming into a holiday weekend and I and I wanted to say to everyone that's out there listening, again, you can listen to this show afterwards on um, iTunes and also on Red Velvet media, you can download it as a podcast. And this coming Wednesday, the fourth, after the holiday, um, both Spencer and myself will be on the air with Gina Raven, who is going to be doing um, she's uh, from Goldie and the Gingerbreads Do you know Gina Raven? she played she played with Stones and the Kings Yarbers. She toured with them?
3: In the sixties, she, uh, she was known did. as Genya Ravon, and she was the lead right. singer of a band called Ten yep. Wheel
0: Drive. That's and they were right. Awesome. Yeah, well, she's, she's got a she's got a hot Wednesday. album that Holly and I
1: are gonna review right, Holly? Yeah. And and you know what? She's got I tell you, Michael, mm. she's got the single that Holly mm. and I heard that was sent to us of her and Ricky Bird that's a knockout, a single with her. Yeah, and I'm gonna
0: try to get Ricky to come on to the air
1: yeah, and be that would be cool. Yep.
0: But you know, it's so cool. I
3: love Ricky Bird.
0: He's awesome, she's, Ricky. Yeah, he's <laughs> so nice, and his and his wife Carol from Chaos Productions, who right. always Hi, Carol. Is so helpful. <laughs> but we wanted to tell you um, with this interview on Wednesday, she's pretty cool because she also has um, a monthly radio show. She she actually has two monthly radio shows on Stevie's Little Underground Garage on SiriusXM. XM. And um, she is just a sweetheart. I've talked to her on the phone a couple times, and um, this new music she's done is really fantastic. And we're going to have, um, I know Elliot's going to call in as well, Um, Spence. Elliot did message me back that he's going to be able to call in.
1: Oh, yeah, he's definitely excited about it. He wants to call in, I know that. Yeah, he's great. I mean, Elliot's. Very uh, steely Dan. I mean, Elliot is a major, major musician. He used to play with Steely Dan, so he's going to be really hot. He's going to be a hot show. Really,
0: really amazing people play on this album that's coming up. But we want to say that we're so honored to have had you today because this was like an interview that really needed to happen because really there were a lot of people that really wanted to know about the book besides go out and get the book guys it's a perfect thing to get lost in and i know personally from all my friends at Peer and and uh my regular friends you know that are just out there making music and wanting to know more get this book guys it's really cool and um and tune in wednesday so before we end our show, we're going to be playing this one song. You want to tell the little story with this one song that we're going to be playing?
3: Sure. It's uh, I feel like I'm fixing to die rag by Country Joe and the Fish. Country Joe McDonald mm-hmm. wrote it. He was one of the more political of the San Francisco tribes of musicians, and it's uh, it's 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 supposed to be a folk song, but it's more like punk rock to me if you listen to the lyrics especially that last verse, and it really gets it going. You know, politics really was a subtext of Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all had to live under the auspices of being sent to Vietnam against our will mm-hmm. to fight an immoral and illegal war. And this was the, mm-hmm. this was what he wrote about in I Feel Like I'm Fixing to Die rag. Mm.
0: And you were, and it was pouring rain. I remember you telling me you listened to this. It was pouring rain and you wanted to find your car but you ended up listening to him and then Hendrix came on and then you guys left, right? Uh okay. we we had to
3: leave before oh Hendrix because we were just too hungry and thirsty and had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well
0: Mike, I wanna thank you so much for being here and again um you can find the book um, Woodstock's fiftieth anniversary. Um, and uh it is available on pretty much every book outlet. And it's Mike Greenblatt, and that's M I K E and then G R E E N B L A T T. And you can find him also on Facebook and um you can find his um, editorials in some of these magazines that, and um, you know, editorials that you've been talking about. So that's really cool, Mike. I'm very impressed. I'm thank happy you. To thank share you so this, uh, much for
3: having me on, Holly. Time with you. Uh, oh yeah. Thank you, Spencer.
1: And Spencer. Uh, that was yeah. a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Oh, listen. We love having you on. It's a great show, and the stories. Are unbelievable, Michael, and um, and you were very lucky to be there. Let me tell you, you were very lucky to be there.
0: Very. About that, right? And we
1: want to we
0: want we want to thank everyone, and especially give a big shout out to Carol because I know Carol, you're yeah. having hopefully a good weekend. And um, you know, please, guys, if you're out there, please don't drink and drive. And um, you know, this is a very um, fun weekend, but just have a good one. Okay. Carol Ross, that, thank you for gonna... booking
3: me on this show. And uh, yeah. I had a ball. Thank you, yep. guys. Yeah, we love you. Thank we you love so all you.
0: much, Mike. Bye-bye. Take care you guys. Take care. Bro. Take
5: care, Take care Michael. Well, come on, all of you big, strong men. Uncle Sam needs your help again. Got himself in a terrible jam. Way down yonder in Vietnam. Put down your books and pick up a gun. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. And it's one. Wall Street, don't be slow I man this war a go-go There's plenty good money to be made Flying the army with the tools of the trade Just over so pray that if they drop the bomb We're it on the vehicle it And it's one, two, three What are we fighting for? Don't ask me, I don't give a damn The next stop is Vietnam And it's five, six, seven Open up the pearly gates Well, I ain't no time to wonder why what we you all gonna die now come on, generals, let's move fast Your big chance is here at last Now you can go out and get those reds Cause the only good Tommy is one that's dead And you know the thief can only be one When the long all. the kingdom comes Sing it! One, two, three What are we fighting for? Stop the war if you can't sing any better than that. There's about 300,000 of you fuckers out there. I want you to start singing. Come on. And it's one, two, three. What are we fighting for? Don't ask me out.